feel like my clap was actually way off on that one. Mine was late. It doesn't matter. I'll leave that to you, Jake. Yep. I'll uh, do some magic to fix your time. <laughs> Just like always. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of our podcast where we talk about things that don't matter and things that matter a lot. Mm, yeah. We, we've got a lot of topics for you today, and uh, these topics come directly from our listeners, which is no one at this <laughs> point, because this podcast hasn't been released as far as from our perspective. So um, one of the things we kind of wanted to jump right in on is a tough one for us. For Spotta. you. For me. <laughs> I have no skin in the game. So. Not as a not as a consumer. How long can we talk about it without talking and saying what it is? <laughs> Probably like sixty seconds. <laughs> I don't know. But I do wanna before we get into this, I wanna tell a story about something that has mm. happened to me this week that is semi related. Maybe people can uh, piece together the riddle of what we're actually gonna talk about. <laughs> um maybe you guys can give me some some advice here too, but I have this problem in my life where for some reason I always have to replace my gym headphones like every year and a half or something. And every time I buy the same like $175 nice like headphones because I work out all the time, you know, I'm like, I want good sounding headphones. I want something that's purpose built. And for some reason, I always like break them. So like most recently, ran them through the wash. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be waterproof. They're not. <laughs> Can't warranty it. Uh, last time, almost exactly a year ago, not even a year ago, I don't think, uh, they somehow fell out of my gym bag in the parking lot of my apartment. And I found them the next morning. And I was like, I saw them. And I was like, oh, there they are. I'm so excited. And I ran over and they had been run over by a car. <laughs> So the warranty doesn't cover that. Um, so I don't know. Should I, do I keep buying the new or the expensive headphones or do I suck it up and buy some like $30 Amazon headphones because I know I'm probably going to leave them in my pocket and wash them again? It's kind of like the sunglasses theory, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, if you're prone to losing sunglasses, I'm a believer that you probably should buy a good amount of, you know, $15, $20 sunglasses and yeah. then save the really nice ones for special occasions where you know for sure you probably won't lose them. Yeah. Not, to, not to play devil's advocate, but anytime I've had a nice pair of sunglasses, which is not very often, but I have a pair right now that was not just a gas station pair of sunglasses, I am 100% more careful with those than... And I understand washing headphones. I think that that's one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> like, it's just like one of those things. You lose sunglasses. But I've this is the longest I've had a single pair of sunglasses, and it's probably because they weren't really cheap. I lose yeah. them all the time when I just buy them at a gas station. You know, right? But I, I see mean, what you're saying. I've I've had the same knock on wood. I've had the same pair of nice sunglasses for the last uh, two and a half years now. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, That's... I splurged and got prescription sunglasses, like nice Oakley ones, because I used to wear shitty sunglasses over <laughs> my regular glasses. <laughs> and I thought it was sneaky, but it wasn't. One of those guys. <laughs> so I've had those for a long time, but for some reason, like the amount of money I spent on those is basically the same as I have spent in headphones over the last two and a half years. You know, right. just always replacing them. So are these Bluetooth? Do they like yeah. have? They don't have wires or anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have like the wire that connects them. Yeah. Together. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I've kind of been looking for an excuse to get the the Apple AirPods because there you in, go. in the gym, I don't really like, even though they're wireless, the wire that connects the two ears, they like still kind of pull on my neck weird. And mm-hmm. I've learned recently that I have really, really weird ears. So like... <laughs> It's hard for things to stay in my ears properly. <laughs> Dude, I have could, the same problem. We could do an entire episode on on how I learned all of that, but Oh yeah. <laughs> it was quite the adventure. We we should talk about that later. I bet it'll happen yeah, organically. Yeah. It's just uh, kinda like the chapstick thing, right? Like okay, chapstick's like what seventy five cents, but yeah. have you ever ran or a pen for that matter, have you ever ran it all the way dry? No. Chapstick? No, I, I've never. I've Can washed you? it. I don't think it's possible. By the way, <laughs> chapstick when you wash it, just decimates clothing. I think mm-hmm. it's just that. You have to get an entire new wardrobe. Yeah, that's a very expensive mistake. But like it pen, is. same thing with a pen. It's like you know, if you had one of those really nice stainless steel pens that said your initials on it, or that something never like leaves that. your desk. Yeah. Yeah, you, you probably would never lose it, but you know, just a pack of paper mates. You're, yeah. My hope is that so I think I'm going to do the AirPods thing this time around. I think you should. My hope is that because you have to take them out and put them into a case, I'll be less yeah. likely to just like throw them in my pocket and then wash mm-hmm. them. Uh, and that we'll helps see, a lot. We'll I used yeah. to like when I I recently switched gyms. So when I would go to work and then work out over lunch at the gym across the street, I had a gym bag and I was really good about just putting my headphones in my gym bag, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now that we're working from home, my gym is across the street from my home. And so I'm a lot less organized about it all. Like I yes. kind of just roll in there. I don't bring anything. I just have my shorts on, you know, well, I have a shirt on too, obviously. Yes. But, uh, at the end of the workout, I just keep my headphones in my pocket and I don't use them for anything else because they're right. like, they're not super convenient to use at any other time. Um, so then I eventually, you know, throw those shorts in the wash. If it's lawn, if I work out on the same day that I'm doing my laundry, there's like a 90% chance I'm going to wash my headphones. So. Yeah. Yeah, the case helps. I, uh, I got a pair just for the gym too. They're those Sennheiser ones, the uh, True Wireless. And they, Mom- I have momentum. weird ears too. Yeah, the Momentums. I have weird ears too, so the... Like the Apple ones, one of them falls out. Like one of my ears is too big, just barely. And the other one stays in. So walking around the gym, I was just, you know, fighting my wires the whole time. But these these have the case. So yeah, it's easier. I toss them in there. But God, if I wash those, I'll be screwed. Yeah. Well, Jake, maybe we need to see if somebody can make a pair of those fall off a truck somewhere. The Sennheiser. (laughs) Momentum. Those, yeah, those are awesome. Um, yeah, they kind of suction into your ear too, which is nice. Mm. Not like in a painful way, but are they big? They like stick out of your ear. 
No, they don't no, no. stick out. I mean, I don't know, a couple millimeters. Probably mm. less noticeable than the AirPods, honestly. But I don't know how good they are for talking on the phone. I've actually never had a phone call on them before. Yeah, so the I AirPods probably. I, mean, I try really hard not to answer phone calls while I'm at the gym, just right. in general. You one don't time like to have recently, calls while you're benching. Well, one time recently, I thought I would be. Uh, I thought I was going to be smart and like call into a meeting at work while I was at the gym. Mm-hmm. And I had everything muted. I didn't have anything to say in the meeting. And at one point, someone goes, wow, who's like rocking out? And I was like, oh, no, because I had put my phone in my pocket and it like tapped the unmute button <laughs> oh, right yeah. as I was standing next to the speaker that was playing I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It Perfect. by Katy Perry. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you would. So I I still have not heard the end of like... Dude, you listen to any Katy Perry lately? <laughs> what oh would be gosh. better is if just the only thing they could hear while that song was playing was <sighs> while yeah. you're benching, while you're working out. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be the only one in a meeting that's mouth-breathing into mouth a breathing. microphone. <laughs> the amount of people that have no idea, like proper uh, conference call etiquette. We've been yeah. working from home since March, so six yeah, months get- now. You got to get your mouth breathing. So down many right people now. have not figured it out. Like they're either still using their laptop mic, so you mm. can't hear them over the fans of their laptop, yeah. or they like don't know how to mute themselves when they're not talking. So it's just constant mouth breathing. So did you guys talk about that? Like when you first went into it? No, but I really think we need to. <laughs> yeah, it's kind it of almost seem because there's so many times that we're in a meeting and like you have to ask people to repeat themselves because they're mumbling and their mic isn't, it's like on their laptop and their laptop's closed right. and it's whatever, like, I don't know. People don't think about it, but. Back back when you first started and stuff, everybody was probably on the same mindset of this isn't going to be that long, let's just make do. Right. But now that it's been, you know, six months or whatever that you've been doing it and right. for who knows how long probably yeah. time to like. And like the IT department provides, I mean, they're not great, but they provide like Microsoft headphones that just plug into your laptop and they're free oh, yeah. to us. You know, we just request them and they give them to you. So there's no excuse, but no. Um, the reason I brought up the headphones thing was just because the fact that I use them all the time to listen to music um, through a particular streaming service and that was kind of what we <laughs> wanted to talk about. So that's what jogged my memory. Uh, sorry yeah. to, Sorry to hijack the... No, it's better to start (laughs) with something like that. We chiseled away and we have exposed that we wanted to talk about Spotify. 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 Big green green monster in the room. Yeah, I have it downloaded on everything I own. I know. The thing that I love, (laughs) that I hate to love. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing, you know, it's you hate to love it for sure. It's on, I think it's how... Most people probably stream their music now. I'm sure there's other ways still. Apple Music is that I used that for a little while, but um, Spotify is just I think where it's at, and it's one of those things where you know you can justify it a little bit because you're paying for a subscription. Sometimes, sometimes you're not. Sometimes right. you have ads and things, but um, it's kind of know. a social network in itself, you know. You can right. really connect with other people. You can see what they're listening. You can collaborate on playlists. You can mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. Apple Music can't. Yeah. So 
And I think it's kind of along the lines of like your Netflix. Man, it sounds like we like it. I thought we were just saying we hated to we're love just being, it. We're just being pragmatic. There's I pros think and, so. Pros and cons. We'll get into the cons. But I think it is kind of like your Amazon or your Netflix, Amazon Prime Video or whatever. You're not directly. You're not going out and buying a DVD anymore. Right. Which I think our generation was like kind of right on the tail end of that. Dude, like, when I when I tell people that Netflix used to send DVDs to you mm-hmm. through the mail, they think I I'm remember. lying. But my mom, I remember. I remember my mom was like, or so she says, so she tells the story. I don't know if it's true, but <laughs> she tells me that she was one of like the first Netflix subscribers or something. Really? First out of, I don't know, a couple thousand probably. But yeah, yeah. compared to how many people are on Netflix now, it's, it's, it's pretty yes. significant. I remember yeah. that thing like when it started came around but yeah yep red box you walk yep. up and put your your well, dollar st- in and, and it's still <laughs> yeah. going man that still, still exists people yeah. at the grocery store getting yeah. their dvd and taking they always it back have the, the, next the new stuff that's why blockbuster doesn't exist anymore right now i feel like i would still use red box if it was somewhere near like my dvd player which is my PlayStation. I don't actually. I, I don't know. There's not a lot of people probably that have dedicated DVD players anymore. Or yeah. No. Maybe. Did you hear there right. is one blockbuster left though in the entire world? Yeah, and it's like a relic, right? It's in, like it's pe- in Oregon, and I I think for a bit they were turning it into an Airbnb. We'll have to fact check this uh, later, <laughs> but but you could come and stay and and like you know pull DVDs off the shelf, and they had a a huge screen set up and oh that would be tight i would definitely you know, do that like stay upstairs but you had this endless movie factory downstairs oh that'd be so cool yeah it's yep. down in deschutes county oregon i think and they basically just converted it you know it's like really? it's in band but you yeah, can go says, in and stay there in september cnn.com says last world's last blockbuster on airbnb Oh, well, it's Four bucks a night. Just like every news article I see, I'm just going to read the headline and call it true. <laughs> According to Especially. Airbnb, it's four bucks a night, and it's only available September 18th, 19th, and 20th of this year. Four dollars yeah. a night. It must be like a sleeping bag in the aisle type thing, then, <laughs> right? Yeah, Seems so. Probably, yeah. There wouldn't be like a. I was imagining like a little uh, area up above. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That would be sweet. Is part of the experience that they have a pothead behind the counter just for nostalgia's yeah. sake? <laughs> just be a big chair. VHS. Red eyes. <laughs> no, we don't have that, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you man. guys uh do you guys remember the day that you decided that you were gonna start paying to use Spotify? I do. Um yeah, actually Nick and I went in on it together. Yeah. yeah, we get the family plan. We we <laughs> we were late to the party just because we were in resistance being artists yep. ourselves. And yeah, honestly, it's like the most convenient thing ever. So I so I do enjoy using it. I, not only are we not paying for our own Spotify pres- uh, prescription, <laughs> it's a that? prescription these days. I think <laughs> medicine <laughs> subscriptions. Um, we have the family plan, so we're double robbing um, yeah i i'm on a family plan also so i'm not a saint Mm -hmm. but uh i remember like in college my freshman freshman year of college is when i really started to like 
work out and like need music while I was doing it. Like in mm-hmm. high school, I had a little iPod, you know, like mm-hmm. everyone did. Oh yeah, the um, Nano. Which one yeah. did you have? I think the it was shuffle. the. Yeah, I think it was the Nano, or no, the. I can't remember. Yeah, the they Nano. The Nano was the bigger nano. than was bigger than the Shuffle, but it was the square one. The, the yeah, video yeah. The screen on it. The first one you could watch video on that yeah. was small, which was stupid. I never did it, but yeah. Anyway, that's what I did in high school. But in in college, I was I don't know. That's when I started using Spotify. That's when I had gotten an iPhone finally, and uh, I just remember like I was like you guys. I was so resistant to it just because you know I kept telling myself that they just rip off artists and like all this stuff and I'm not going to pay for music, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is almost worse, but I got <laughs> so sick of the fact that like 90% of the ads on Spotify are ads for Spotify. Yeah. So yeah. literally the reason, the deciding factor for me to give them money was the fact that I was so sick of hearing about Spotify that I was like, okay, fine. Yep. Just take the $10 a month or whatever it is at the time. Yep. And uh, that's the, my biggest gripe, honestly, being just mostly a consumer of Spotify is that marketing tactic of just like, let's just annoy them until they finally mm-hmm. give us what we want. <laughs> yeah, and I think that totally is what it is. I mean, they're, they are banking on you being in the middle of your run or your workout or whatever and being like, I don't want an ad Right long now, ads, you know, man. They're you know they 15, are. 30 second ads, and that adds up quick. Yeah, yeah. And they're not necessarily about things that I don't know. I've never, I've never looked anything up after I heard an ad. Yeah, they uh, they pay artists, you know, point zero zero six cents on oh, average per stream. I was, I was hoping so, you weren't gonna say that. Actually, it's hard, man, because <laughs> you, yeah, you look at that as an artist, and you're like, man, am I just feeding the machine? That's that's mm. you know. Yeah. But, well, was it Taylor Swift that, um, or does she still do it? I think it was a few records ago. She didn't put it on Spotify at first. Yeah, I think she just did Apple Music. Yeah. 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 I think she even had like a deal with Apple Music to do some commercials and some th- things like that to help. And out so, with. but is that any better? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't pay wise. You mean or just you, like you make more on just like on as a concept? Apple. I mean, I'm sure that. I think her deal, and I, I don't know, I could be wrong, it's been a while, but she had some issue mostly with like the people at Spotify, is that right? Or was it actually just Spotify as a concept? I'm not sure. I think, uh, I could be wrong also, but I think she was trying to make a statement that all of these conglomerates like Spotify were just kind of gouging their artists and, you know, the artists own mastering and if they're with a label, then the label owns it. And by the time it splits up between everybody and the artist gets paid, it's, you know, you're hardly making anything at all. And that's yeah. if you're, you know, if you are that caliber like Taylor Swift or Kanye West, then, man, you, you're probably doing better. Right. But if so, those people, you know, they have their music on there or they don't, it really affects the smaller artists too because what can you do as a smaller artist if there's been a decision made by a bigger one from musicbusinessworldwide.com which sounds like a website the three of us might make <laughs> um, 
this was in August of 2019, they said, um, so she released her album in 2014. Um, I think she released it in October. But then this this article says a month later in November at 2014, Taylor Swift pulled her entire catalog from Spotify as an act of protest against the service's ad-funded free tier. Specifically, the fact that artists at the time couldn't choose to only release their music on Spotify's paid-for-premium offering. So it was, I mean, that probably benefit, benefited her massively. <laughs> yeah. But I remember we were like, oh, no. You know, this was almost this was five years ago, six years ago. And so we were thinking, if Taylor Swift doesn't put her music on Spotify, then what do we do? You know, yeah. and I think as like an independent artist, as Nick was touching on, like, where does that put you? And I think bands that are probably feel like they have further to go, even than we do, to get to. Did I really just kind of compare us to Taylor Swift? I was trying to say like a band that has just started out and like is still figuring, getting their footing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How do they? How do they work that out in their minds? Well, that's the thing. I I think think it's all about exposure. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's a fair, not maybe a comparison between you and Taylor Swift, but a fair point of like smaller artists are always looking to, always keeping, or probably should be always keeping a finger on the pulse of like what their version of successful artists are doing, right? So Mm -hmm. if, if you're an artist and you find out that this like super mega artist is giving the middle finger to Spotify, then it might make you start mm-hmm. to reconsider your life, yeah. your entire life choices. But um, I wanted to ask like your guys's opinion on like, what is the alternative for like lower tier, smaller artists now? Like, is it, I mean, nobody nobody is like selling physical records really anymore. Like, mm-hmm. not not to not like how it used to be, right? No, where like you bands sell would make records. the most of their money off of disc sales or record sales or whatever. But now, unless it's live, right? I was going to say you kind of sell those to your fan base, or the the excitement of the live performance gets people to partake in that, and it's more like a souvenir from the show to take home, you right. know. Um, exactly. Re- they like to take part of the their experience with them, and especially with vinyl, stuff like that too, where, you know, people who are younger aren't necessarily going home and busting out their vinyl and throwing it on the, you know, their player. They're, they're keeping that as a piece of memorabilia from their experience. And right. But a sad thing to think about is if you went to Spotify and went to like our top played song and then calculated 99 cents per you know you just buy it the one time even so maybe it's not if it's been streamed this amount of times it could have been the same person you know 20,000 times but if you even took half of what was streamed for our top song how many times it was streamed and then did that times 99 cents you know a dollar then um 
I probably wouldn't be driving a 2007 truck anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. does it, again, though, you go back to the idea that the ease of use and, um, you know, the, the connection that happens in Spotify, people that share playlists and things like that, it's almost like its own social network in a way because you can follow people that you like you know right yeah, there's like you get notifications for new music releases when you do mm-hmm. and there's like s- real artists that have their own spotify profile you know like specific people from bands that you can go follow and just it opens up a whole new thing and then you could say well maybe if i stream this band that i just found through my radar my spotify new release radar whatever it's called then you go buy a ticket to a show right. and then buy an album. Then you could say, we have a tool that artists before Spotify didn't have. It's just like a double-edged sword type of thing. I think. Yeah, I think the exposure is huge with playlists and being able to do just that. Like you said, you know, if they discover it on a playlist and then it leads them, it's kind of the gateway, the gateway drug to the artist, right? Like, right. You you found this song randomly, and you either love the music and you start to follow the artist, you buy tickets, you buy merch, you spread the word, add it to your playlists, share it with your friends, and it just kind of goes from there. Or you're going through a playlist, you hear it, and you're, you skip the song. I mean, right? it's just, it's different. It's like hearing a, a song on the radio back, you know, before they had Spotify, and you either liked it or... Or you you didn't, and you changed the channel. But it's just a lot more fast-paced now. Another thing, too, to think about is with album sales, as opposed to streaming it or whatever, it's a a comparison that you could make, too, kind of is, I guess when I, like, online shop, like, say I'm looking for a new shirt, and I'm online shopping for that, um, the probability that I will actually go through with the purchase and buy something as you know, to when I'm in the actual store, you know, when I go into a clothing store, I don't usually walk out without one thing, you know, even if it's like, really, no, I mean, and this is just me maybe, but what I'm trying to say is that it's like having the thing in my hand and feeling like, okay, this is the material I want. This seems durable. This is, you know, it fits right. I can see what it looks like on me. You know, it's just like kind of a thing compared to when I'm just looking at a picture of another dude uh, who doesn't look like he eats, you know, wearing the shirt. Yeah. And it's just like a thing, you know. I don't know if it's just being able to hold it and you can get it signed, you know, how to right. show most of the time and have it be like your album, you know, whereas right. if it's on Spotify, it's just more of like a an impersonal or less of an experience, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I tend to, like, if I go to a show, which, to be honest, isn't super regularly, but when I do, I almost always leave with some yes. merch, especially if it's, a, like, a smaller artist, you know? Same. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think the point, I mean, I think I tend to play the role of the Spotify devil's advocate a lot more just because I'm not, I'm not, you know, in the position where I'm making a living off of Spotify, right? Or trying to. Um, so the thing that I always come back to is um, kind of like we've alluded to is the exposure. But like I don't think back in the day, um, like there's so many people making music now 
and a lot of people making an honest living through music. And I just always wonder if that would be possible if not for like the basically free services of the internet to get yourself out there. Like there's people who, um, you know, are really into production and they're also musicians and they can make like very high quality music in their basement or in their bedroom. And they can Mm -hmm. then in the same day, same day it's done, bounce it and put it on Spotify. And then they can share a Spotify link to everyone they've ever met. And then now everyone knows what they're up to. Whereas before, like, I mean, I wasn't around, you know, or coherent enough pre Spotify to know what the music industry was like. But um, before that, I think there was a way higher barrier of entry to the point where you needed to book studio time. You needed to have someone to handle your distribution. You needed to pay someone to print something onto a record or onto a disc. So mm-hmm. I always wonder, like, has the music ind- I mean, I think I know the answer, but has the music industry just fundamentally changed, not so much just because of Spotify, but just because of the advancement of the internet to where, yeah, you're not making the bulk of your money off of people like consuming your music in their own home anymore, but it also affords you the opportunity opportunity to um, maybe not, I think before it was like a binary thing where like you either were a starving artist until you maybe made it and then you were, you know, the Rolling Stones or something. Mm-hmm. But now the internet and all these things, it seems like it's given these, you know, basement musicians or whatever the ability to like make a living through other means like posting things on Spotify and then Mm -hmm. maybe then people look up their YouTube channel and they're really active on YouTube and they're getting money that way or you know they have other it's like funneling people into another way of giving them their money you know yeah Um, we had people on tour um, especially after we released Grey that we would ask them how they heard about the music because, you know, anytime you see a face you don't recognize at the show, that's a good thing. And it was like, they would say, oh, you were on my Spotify release radar. Like, you were a suggested band because of another band I listened to. And it was like, we kept hearing that, didn't we, brother? For that, no, yeah, it was it was pretty common, especially... Yeah, especially after that record. And it's, I think, a testament to how great the social networking of it is, for sure. Yeah, you think about, like, you know, Johnny Cash, when he had a new single, it was record stores and newspapers saying he was coming to your town, you know? And maybe that that did add, like, a little bit of excitement to it because it kind of felt like, you know, the only chance you get to be a part of what this guy is doing or this artist is to be there that night, you know. Right. And now we're, you know, way more accessible as artists than I think they ever were. So that, like, kind of rock star thing, you know, you can see um, Taylor Swift uh, sitting on the edge of her bed with her cat, you know. Yeah. And you couldn't, you couldn't seen Johnny Cash in bed. There's probably not even a picture. Maybe just the one time. 
I'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah, the World Cup. <laughs> it's it is pretty amazing to think about how that how social media has kind of brought a sort of uh, unanimous, like I don't know, everybody from no matter how much they make or how many tickets they sell at a show, everybody still has to hit that record button on Instagram to post a story, you know? Right. And you think about how that just kind of, it flattens the curve a little bit for the reality of of what it's like just to be in that person's shoes. And I think with so much saturated, you know, the internet is oversaturated with artists, but you think about how many artists are basement musicians who are making these songs and making, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on Spotify who might never even play a live show. Yeah. And it, it's kind of an amazing thing to think about when it kind of benefits artists in that way where that was never an option before. You had to tour and, and be on the road. Otherwise, nobody was going to hear you. Do you think there's a sentiment that like... um if you're not playing live, then it's not real. Or like, maybe not real, but I think I've had a few, yeah, com- I've had a few conversations with people that like are always ragging on people that can make really good music on just their laptop, you know? Yeah. Because I think really what it is, and I'm, you know, depending on who listens to this podcast, I might ruffle some feathers, but I think, <laughs> I think some people don't like to accept the fact that it's possible to do that they like to know that like what they're doing by paying other people to do it is like the only way i think that is like probably the best way if you're trying to be efficient um but for like the 16 year old kid in high school who after school wants to just go make music in his basement but can't play at bars or like doesn't even have any interest in you know playing in front of people or being on the road like is music music at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think the experience of consuming it drastically changes at that point. You either, you know, you're at the gym and you're listening to these songs of artists that you might not ever go buy a ticket to see live. Yeah. Um, but the music for you is still doing something versus an artist that you listen to who you really rely on the live show which could be even be better than than the recording. I know there's some artists that sound better live than they do tracked. And I think right. the experience of being in front of them adds this extra layer of realness and makes it seem more tangible. Mm-hmm. And to see an artist actually play the guitar and sing and have to hit the notes and entertain and all that does a lot for me personally when I hear a song because... I've I've listened to songs and then, you know, go, I go to a lot of shows in Portland and you see a band and you're kind of like, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. But like, why was their record so great? Right. And then you see them live and it feels like a different artist. It's kind yeah. of a, a double-edged sword. There's a whole other kind of person too. I think that, um, you know, she she goes to Starbucks and she listens to... Uh, indie folk while she's working on her homework or while she's doing her work from home or her remote stuff. And then she only goes and sees a band when, like, you know, John Mayer comes to town. Right. So 
she she could be listening to like hundreds of artists over the course of a week on like a playlist. You know, there's Spotify playlist that's called, um, you know, study. Right. And it's it has all these Coffee indie shop artists. Vibes. <laughs> exactly. And so you know, then then you can't discount Spotify in a way because you know we might an artist an indie artist might end up on one of those playlists and. Otherwise, you might not ever been heard, right? You know, and even if she screenshots the song or hits the share button on Spotify and sends our song to one of her friends, or and then he sends it to one of his friends, you know, it's it's a thing. Like you can't you can't fight that that helps you in some way. I mean, if right. you just want to talk like financial upfront brass tacks paycheck, then I guess you could make the argument that Spotify only paying what is it like, basically nothing for, for yeah. per stream. Peanuts. You could argue against it, but when you are trying to think more long term, which I think, if you're a creator or an artist in any way, you have to kind of be able to put down that like, you have to be able to say, I'm gonna grind and I'm gonna pay for it now myself. Just with any company, I think anytime you're investing or doing like a small business thing, it's what do they say? Like the um, owner of a business, when it's a small business, pays for everything for like five years. Yeah, you probably won't see a like profit that. for at least five years, I think is that's the what rule it, of thumb. If that's still right, I don't know. But that's, that's I think Spotify helps us in a way. Uh, with that long-term goal of being like, okay, what do we want the most? We want to reach as many people as we can with the music if they want to listen to it, if they connect with it like we connect with it when we write it. You know, that's who we want listening to it. Right. And so if, if we can make that thing that like catches your ear on a playlist or a run or whatever, yeah. and then we make it into your, you know, your friend's text message or something like that, that's a long-term goal. And I can see how you could be mad about it at first you right know? it's well, essentially diverse, free yeah and you diversify your income i think then it helps if you're just relying on one source of of making money like spotify then it's not successful just like you're talking about with any small business you have to really be able to look at what your product is and what you're selling and then put your eggs in different baskets where you can get into things like you know sync placements with you know, we've done some some commercials and some ads, mm. and those things can be profitable and also get you exposure in different platforms to different audience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody sitting at home watching TV and a commercial comes on and your song's playing, it might be not might not be the same crowd that's listening to the study playlist at Spotify right. during college, you know? Right. So I think that's a good way, too, to, to, break, to break into the exposure realm also is just looking at all the different ways that you can actually monetize your product and for us playing live i don't i guess i won't speak for tyler but or for you jake because you've you played you've played live with us probably more than anybody has i think you as an artist want to showcase what you've created and the mm. payoff is being able to present it and if if for me, if I didn't have that payoff, if I didn't have the ability to go out and play it live and have the experience of being with people, hearing the stories that 
that they tell how the songs have impacted them that that would make me feel like what I'm creating in my basement at home yeah just kind of not as not as big not as important maybe not as meaningful but mm-hmm. the fact that you get to share it for me does does a whole hell of a lot yeah yeah I mean I agree um I like would prefer for people to watch me play live than like hear me and be able to pick me apart uh, time and time infinitely on a recording. But, and that, I mean, I get my like high from live shows, you know? Exactly. Like I, I've not spent a whole lot of time in the studio, but I'm so um, like, I'm such a perfectionist about basically everything I've ever done. Like it's so annoying that like I I get really stressed out like doing yeah. like if I know that I have to like record something and it's going to be like infinitely accessible like that's not super pleasurable to me to some degree mm-hmm. just because of my personality and the way that I want things to be perfect but for some reason it, when I play live like I'm I still want it to be perfect obviously but I'm a lot e- I'm a lot more able to succumb to the moment because of what's happening you know like it's yeah. a it's a it's a passing moment in time and as long as it's not catastrophic people are gonna be into it you know <laughs> yeah, another is it, is it hard for you to come down after a show do you do you have that feeling like, yeah I, I get really really like melancholic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like almost almost depressed depressed like <laughs> i i mean i don't play many like strings very long strings back to back right just because i only play with you guys <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh typically when we're doing like full band stuff it's for like maybe a week or two at a time mm-hmm. um so maybe you know if i had a month or two of shows put together i would kind of um it would feel more normal to me but um the ones that i've played yeah it's like I get really, really sad knowing that it might be another like six months or a year before I get to feel that way <laughs> that way yeah. again. Well, you're coming off of a chemical high in your brain, you know, just like anything. It's like, you know, uh, a heightened experience that we're fortunate, you know, as all of us are to be able to do. Um, you know, you kind of you always feel like when you're playing, like it's kind of like a once in a lifetime experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when the artist feels that way and they aren't just like, I have another show here and I don't even really want to do it, you know, which I can't say I've ever felt like, unless I really felt like we were just playing for food, you know, like back in the day. Right. But, but even then, you know, there was always somebody in the audience, if it was like five people, whatever that connected with, you know, that said, oh, I've got family from Nebraska or, you know, something weird like that. And then after we moved to Oregon, they'd be like, tons of people had connections to the, the Northwest. And so that is really a thing, selfishly, as artists that we love, being able to, like, have that connection with people. And so right now when we're not on the road, that's kind of why we're trying to reassess things like, you know, how can we still do that, you know? And one of the things, you know, social media, Spotify, you know, Instagram, we can post a picture um, just hanging out, having a beer, and it makes people feel like, you know, we wanted to share that with them because it's like us kind of saying, like, 
wish you were here in a way, right. you know, like we, we want you to know that we're just hanging out and, you know, having these conversations and that we wish that we could connect with you right now in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like you, you get to a point where I don't really feel like, um, you have to do it anymore, you know, like, oh, we got to make a post or something. It's right. kind of more now, like, you know, if we don't, I don't really feel like, especially right now, while we're not on the road, I don't know how we're going to engage with people and just kind of still feel that that love. And it's cool because Instagram allows for people to, like, tag us in a story or something, you know, and then we get to see that. And it's so cool because it's like, you know, when I'm just drinking coffee and writing music, somebody's listening to the song, you know? Like, it's just kind of this constant reminder that everybody is still there, you know? Right. And that, like, you know, I guess another thing I was looking at is, you know, you can stream our music on our website and the, you know, the amount of streams on our website compared to the streams that we have on Spotify I, I mean, I, I can't even tell you. It's like one song in particular on Spotify is like hundreds of thousands of streams. Mm. And the same song on our website is 90. Right. Because so, who has a Talbot Brothers app on their phone? Hey, maybe no, that's what exactly. you guys need. <laughs> that's the oh. next thing, man. That's the T-Bros next thing. app. I think it'd be really cool to invent something like that where all of your profiles, all of your platforms everywhere could be housed in one spot. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. It's ironic. It's a app for other apps. I guess. I think I think that used to be a thing. Yeah, Bef- it might have been before its time, but I feel like I remember having like a man. I can't remember what it's called. I had some app on my phone that linked at least like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That'd be nice, at, as well on as it could spot. when I was like in high school or what you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you could like pull the app up and search for an artist in the app, and then it would pull up all of their platforms everywhere they have music, their yeah. tour dates, yeah. their videos, and yeah. then you could you know pick and choose what what you want to visit. Well, I'm gonna cut all that out so no one steals our idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great idea. That's the unless next thing. somebody knows how to do that. Now we're talk doing to us because someone totally could just I give mean, us we already have the patent. Yeah, we got the patent. Give us half. We'll about. split half three ways. You can have the other half because you'll do all the work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm, the reason yeah, I yeah. asked about the show is I I've had a hard time with that too coming down after a show and I think especially after a tour, you know, after being on the road as much as we were the past couple years, um, that was a hard thing for me this winter and so the the whole COVID thing, you know, it's been it's been hard for me to just be in one spot for a long time. And I've realized how much I've relied on, on the live show. And yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest thing in the world. Right. So that's been something I'm trying to work through is, is being okay with, you know, taking it, taking it a day at a time and just trying to work through, um, getting that for lack of better words, high from just you know, daily things, doing things that are healthy, like right. whether it's meditating or writing or exercising or, you know, just trying to eat healthier, but bringing those things out to help aid in that, that thing that I was constantly seeking on the road. And it's, it's hard, man. Like that's been my biggest battle, I think, 
the past few months. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I mean, I, I th- I've lived for the live show. I think the problem is there's nothing really like it. And I don't think any, yeah. anyone that is not like has not walked in those shoes can really understand. Like I've tried to, I've, I've told that to my non musician or like non live playing musician friends and like my family and my girlfriend and stuff. Like they always, I think I, I talked about this last episode, but or a couple episodes ago about how like I need to be when I'm playing a show, like I can't interact with my friends and family, like before the show or whatever, or I kind of need to be isolated. Um, it's caused a I'm lot. The same way. It's caused a lot of tension. It's better now because uh, we've been through it so many times in a row that they've kind of figured it out. But it's just something that no one, like, unless you're doing it, really understands. Like the amount of like emotional investment you have to it. You know, like you really. I, I feel like there's nothing else in my life that I've ever felt like so just like wanting to be a hundred percent there. Right. Yeah. And like I even sometimes, and you guys will probably call me crazy, but like some of my favorite, favorite parts are like the, the pre-show stuff, like the sound check, the like setting up the, like getting a feel for the room, the green room and like all these things, like, when all that mm-hmm. stuff is on point, like it makes the experience so much better. And then I feel like the show 100%. is so much better. Um, yeah, there's something to that, just getting in there and figuring out the lay of the land and knowing that that experience that night is going to be unique, unlike any other show. Right. And one of the problems I've run into in the past was if we've had a really good show somewhere, you know, like Nashville, for example, you know, the next night, wherever we're playing, I'm looking for that same exact mm. experience, the same exact mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. that I had, but you, you won't get it because it was it's unique. Gone. It was, yeah. yeah, it just happens that one time. Right. And that's part of the excitement too, is knowing it can't ever be replicated the same way. Yeah. It's the same well, song a thousand times, but it's different every time. Yeah. One show I remember in particular was, you know, well, kind of like you guys were talking about that loading in and setting up plugging in your gear um it's kind of therapeutic in a way and it also kind of takes the edge off before you play you know because if you were just sitting there waiting for showtime you know there's only a certain amount of time i can do that before i start like cold sweating right you know so it's not like a really nervous thing it's just like a um you know time to go feeling yeah and so um one of the shows I remember specifically, you know, it was like midway through a tour. I think we were in um, in Colorado. It might might have been Denver, maybe maybe Fort Collins. But um, we were playing a, a little theater, and it was so cool, you know. And we had been doing theaters kind of that whole tour. It was an acoustic run, and so it was like business as usual. Load in staff was awesome, uh, helped us get set up plugged everything in like we always do. Um, Nick and I were both had our electric amps and then our acoustics and um, it, sound check sounded incredible and uh, it left everything, went to go get changed in the green room and all that and then um, went out for the show and brought up my acoustic to play the first song and it was just dead. 
So <laughs> I played my electric on every song that entire night. And I mean, it didn't sound bad. Right. And I don't think that people there probably thought, you know, why is he not playing his acoustic <laughs> guitar? I think. Right. It, but, but it made this unique experience and that wasn't going to happen tomorrow and didn't happen the night before, you know, and, you know, uh, it was funny cause the, uh, stage hand when we were down in the green room after the show, she brought down like a pack of nine volt batteries <laughs> and she was like, just so that tomorrow, you know, yeah. your acoustic works. So it's like, they know, and all these little intricacies of the show that like make it special and, um, you know, it's kind of weird it without an acoustic guitar the whole time from my side, it kind of makes this like a little bit more of an eerie, hollow, open sound. Mm. And so those people that night got a show that was completely different than the entire tour. Right. And that's something you can't replicate unless you're doing a live performance, right? Mm. I mean, when you queue up a song on Spotify, it's going to sound that way every time. You know, right, and then a band might release an acoustic version, which is awesome. And so you've got that other thing, but it still doesn't have that. Like Nick and I have always talked about um, when we first started playing, we always tried to say, like, you know, let's learn enough about the town so that when we get up there, we don't sound like idiots and we don't say something that's going to like embarrass us. Hello, Houston, us. and you're actually yeah. in like Detroit. <laughs> that, yeah. That happened once too. What we were in, uh, so it Michigan. Got, we got lost up in the upper Midwest. It's all right, bro. It kind of, yeah. I mean, we're from the Midwest and I know that every everything from here to New York is just good stuff, you know? So it's like you don't separate them really, but, um, you know, I think that's one of those things where you can say Spotify is where it's at and just being able to stream and especially right now where we're home, you know, thinking how do we prepare ourselves for the next pandemic, you know, mm. so that we don't, so what that you we mean feel the next pandemic. <laughs> let's, let's be real. I mean, this one didn't go too hot. I don't know if we learned a lot. But <laughs> you guys made me think of a question. Do you, how do you guys feel about anticipation? Just not necessarily even like before a show, but, you know, I, I'm thinking about the moment when, you know, the house opens up and people start filtering into the theater and mm. you start hearing all the noise and the lights are down low and you're backstage and, you know, it, you, it's 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes till curtain and yeah. like in those moments leading up to it, or it could be a performance or, or anything for that matter. But how do you, how do you guys feel about that? Is it something that, that you guys like to kind of sit in that feeling or, or do you like to be distracted? Do you like to do things that take your mind away until it's go time? I definitely, <laughs> I, uh, me personally, I definitely sit in it, whether that's like a conscious decision like a choice to do that or not. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I, I get very anxious, um, yeah. especially before a performance of any kind. Like I remember in high school before football games, like even when I had done a ton of them in a row, like I was always, I always had that, that feeling. And that's another mm -hmm. one that like, I don't know if you can ever replicate is like just the feeling of like having to perform a certain thing. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I get like yeah. before shows when I, w once I, 
once I'm able to like peek around the curtain or whatever and see like people out there, especially if it's a venue like like a real venue, not just like a bar that plays music where the people are there to see you. And I think that's an important distinction. Like there's a different caliber of show when you're like background music at a bar versus the people are there to yeah. see you. Well, you've, you've been there for all of them. Yeah. You know, all kinds. Right. Yeah. I so, think about those shows we used to play too, where it was like you walk on stage and people are just yelling and drinking and having a good time yeah. and you start to show and they're, kind of oblivious to what's right. going on yeah I it never, doesn't matter who you are you better just yeah. make people dance i never really thought too much about those shows just because i knew no one there was thinking too much about it either <laughs> yeah you know but exactly. the ones were like especially the ones uh you know i think specifically to when we played the bourbon last fall in november like this when the staff is all really great and like it just it just feels like a big deal because it is yeah. to a degree, you know, those those mm-hmm. are the ones that hit me more, like for sure. the pre-show anticipation, and I kind of like it, you know. I think that's half the rush, you know. I think if I, oh yeah, if I was just very like, oh, just another day at the office, and like not super, like I said before, just like invested emotionally a hundred percent, like through the anxiety and through the pleasure, like I don't think the payoff would feel as as good if there wasn't a buildup every time of like yeah and it's not to the point where i'm like oh i can't go like i'm so nervous i don't want to go out there like i yeah. don't know if it's an anxiety like that but it's just like this uh like that the hairs on the back of your neck kind of start to stand up yeah. like you know something's about to happen it's like you kind of feel the gravitas of it right like- this, right. This is gonna be Yeah, like I big. I never feel stressed out to the point where I'm like, Oh, I just don't even want to do this. Like I do when I'm mm-hmm. like giving a big presentation at work where I, f- I feel mm-hmm. like I'm just gonna get like trashed the whole time yeah. by by well, feedback. One of, but exactly. One of my friends and I uh were talking a couple days ago and he was like, I think when this when this thing is over, when everybody can get back on the road, um, it's gonna be like a music boom, you know, and right. for like live performance too, because people are missing like that, that authenticity that comes from the musicians. Like, you know, you get up there and you get on stage and if your heart's racing, I guess I'm speaking more um, for myself, but the, the song, the first song might be 10 BPM faster than it ordinarily is like when you rehearse it, you know, but right. it's also these things like, string slides and you know times when we decide we want to take the song for another minute of just this cool right uh chord progression that we feel and we're enjoying it up on stage you know you can't and that's going to be special every time right. and that goes into our you know the anxious feeling that we get before we go on stage um kind of permeates into the performance and then i think you know, as a friend of ours, Craig, mm-hmm. you know, he always says this at that circle of emotion. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's if the band is feeling good and the audience is feeling good, it just keeps coming around right. the whole time. And you guys, you know that feeling at a show when you're just like, yeah, everything. Jake, when you were doing some sound for us in KC, mm-hmm. that acoustic show that before this, you know, Everything hit the, the fan. day before KC shut down. <laughs> Literally yeah. the day the before last show of the tour. Our entire tour. Also the first, first show and of your last tour. show. <laughs> it was. 
we all knew how good that felt. Mm. And I think everybody in the audience knew too. And it was just like this, this connection. And so we were so amped because we were like, okay, here we go. Like, it's like Nick said, you know, you want to take that same feeling into the show the next night. And, and it might not happen. You know, it just could have been a Tuesday in, you know, middle of nowhere. And maybe it didn't connect as well. But like, you get this momentum for the live performances and like a tour, you know, where you're just, and you got stories from all of them, the good ones, the bad ones. There's always something to take. And there's always someone even back when we played those bar shows, like someone just got it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we never just left a show being like, nothing came out of that. Right. You know, I don't know. Always, I've been pretty close. A couple of times. I mean, even if it was just like, <laughs> damn, that barbecue, you know, yeah. like you can still pull something from it. That's good. I think the road provides that, you know, or like the place provided a hotel that, didn't have bed bugs, you know, mm. something like that. Or like early on, we just were like, we get a hotel, right? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And I guess Nick, how do you feel when, you know, like before the show, the anticipation? I kind of, I'm kind of in between the two of you. I, you know, I'm with Jake on the side where I like to sit in that. I, I love. I actually, I'm one of those weird people that actually loves anticipation when you almost feel kind of kind of sick to your stomach mm. because you're nervous but it's a good nervous it's like the kind that you you know you're you're able to go out you know you're you know the songs you know you're going to be able to play it you know what you're getting into um but i never look at the crowd mm. i never look out from behind I from backstage i always make that mistake <laughs> <laughs> yeah tyler now tyler on the other hand you know i've noticed you Sometimes he'll even go out and and he'll be out and he's unfazed because he's already on. Right. He's he's kind of turned on, you know, that switch early on when we get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little opposite where, you know, I've got my laptop open on the road and it might be doing some other business stuff. And then I kind of shut off for a little bit to take a break during sound check and all that. And then I'm never really on until the curtains open. And so I, wanna, I have a hard time with that maybe coming down off of a show because mm. I, think, I think it lasts a little bit longer for me. Well, one of the things you and I always ask each other, brother, is you here? Mm-hmm. And it's always like a... Very present. Yeah, like do you... And there has been times when we're like a thousand miles away, you know, like when your brain or your heart's still at home because you've got something you're trying to figure out or it's a... You know, it's on tomorrow a lot of times for you, brother. You know, being an independent artist, we're trying to coordinate most of the day-to-day stuff of a tour ourselves right now. So, you know, he he's already getting phone calls from the venue tomorrow, and we haven't even played the show mm. the night before, you know. And so they're like, what kind of salsa do you like? Right. And we're like, right now we're about to get on the stage. It could be Pace. Yeah, <laughs> just some something to dip a chip yeah, in at this yeah. point, you know. And I think that's kind of that balance too. And I think one of the special things about the three of us and our camaraderie is that we're all kind of on like a different, uh, you know, a different perspective mm-hmm. for that anxiousness. And so then before we're kind of like almost bringing a sense of calm to each other because 
you know, if I look over and I see Jake tapping his knee and with a thousand yard stare, you know, and then I look over at Nick and he's on his laptop, like just trying to get that last minute thing done before we go on. And I'm working on the set list. Like there's this balance where you feel like, okay, everybody's getting ready in their own way, you know, and a team I think works really well when everybody just falls into those positions and doesn't, you know, I'm not saying like, Nick, help me with the set list, you know, and I'm not saying like, Jake, where you at, Mm -hmm. bro? Why are you here? Come on. You know, it's just like everybody just lets everybody do their thing and we're still talking, you know, we're having a beer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, we do our little team up before we go on and everybody gets focused. And so it's like, we're always going to have that. But, but I think, you know, like one of the examples you talked about, Jake, was that bourbon show we did, and it was so fun that it was so fun. But we had, like, cookies and, um, like, whiskeys and stuff that people had sent to us in the green mm-hmm. room, and that's a big thing that I think you kind of overlook. You know, you have your writer that says, um, can we please have bottled water or, you know, a chip or a vegetable. Right tray or something boring but then there's always people from the community that have seen you play you know wherever we go honestly every show this last you know like the last year or so has been something special like there's been people that have shipped things to the venue and they aren't even coming to the show because they're in a different state you know just like a box of coffee you know, and so then it's just this this like feeling of like always kind of feeling at home, and it like takes away a little bit of that anxiousness for me, that anxiety for me to be able to say, oh, you know, like there's somebody out there at home that's not even coming to the show that's kind of like looking out for us and and paying attention to what's going on. So even if tonight's a bust, you know, we can look forward to Wisconsin or whatever, you know, where this person's from, and they're waiting for us to get there on tour. And the amount of houses we've stayed at, you know, people that have offered for us to crash on a couch, you know, I don't, we always tell those people, like, what can we do, you know, thank you so much, how can we make it up to you? And they're always just like, you do it already. You do the music, Mm. you know, that's, that's what we get. And so this is our way of giving back to you in a way, and that just blows, I mean, if you did music and you hated it, it might be one thing, you know, but when you love what you do yeah. and then people say, oh, that's what you contribute mm-hmm. to, to my life, you're like, I don't think I deserve that, <laughs> really, because yeah. I think <laughs> there's a lot of people that hate what they do and and nobody gives them any credit for it or respect, you know, and so how, how do we, you know, navigating that all, all comes back to... Um, live performance and you know this whole thing we've been talking about community of even Spotify and everything is like people just appreciating each other like if we can keep appreciating the listeners and the listeners can keep appreciating what we put out and they allow us to take chances with our music and and trust us you know and and just pre-order the album before they even hear it that kind of thing you know that's like a it's almost like a relationship that you can't replicate outside of, you know, unless, you know, like I'm going to always pre-order the next PlayStation console <laughs> right? before it releases, you know, but, but there's like a trust there, 
You know what right. I'm saying? Actually, I'm not. I'm not going to get the next one. But but what I'm trying to say is like that. That cannot be replaced in any way. Yeah. Spotify live performance for us where we're at in the industry and kind of the level that we're at, it's invaluable. You know, it it lights a fire in towns that we've never even played before. Mm. Brother, you remember when we went? We played in Park City, Utah. We played like upstairs at this cool cafe like right at the foot of a little uh, ski run oh yeah years know? ago silver star cafe i love yeah, that yeah silver star i played there with so you guys cool. once jake played there with us once we had a trio show cocktail kit boomsticks yeah. i think that might have been the last time they said no more <laughs> i ruined yeah. it for you well well no worth no it. worth it i don't think it was the drums but they loved it and the people we hung out with we had such a good time and there was like five or six you know but then the next time we came we booked this little club this club and no, it was it's, no it's the, it's the club in park city OP yeah rockwell. the best op rockwell and it was so awesome you know but a ton of the people that were at that show said spotify was the reason they were there yep. and you know, we also played it right because I think it was like ski season. So there was just like yeah. <laughs> a ton of people and they said, oh, there's a live band here. You know, right. but but everybody, you know, a ton of people um, bought records and T-shirts and like, you know, it was more than just like a, this is all there is to do tonight. Right. You know, it felt like we connected and we made friends there that we still have, you know, yeah. and it's just... That's just such a cool thing that you can't get when you're home, you know, as much as like Jake, you said, is at the end of the day is music, music. I think, you know, a period after this sentence is, it is. Yeah. And I think even if you're not playing live, there's songs like brother, you said it just connects with you. Like you're listening to it at the coffee shop and, you know, you're just moved by it or, or it just it fits the vibe of what you're going through. And I think as artists, as that's our responsibility to be like, no matter where we are or where you are, we're going to be providing a, a, our service, which is to make you feel like our worlds have kind of collided and somebody feels the way you do about this yeah. thing. You know, it's scary to get super honest and vulnerable. Cause I mean, I think Brother, I don't know if you felt this way. I bet you did. But before we released Ghost Talker, we we were a little nervous. Yeah, and I think that was kind of still scratching the surf- surface of what's to come for mm-hmm. for more. But I think growing up in the Midwest had something to do with that too. Just, you know, you learn from an early age. And I'm not saying it's necessarily always a bad thing, but you don't put so much emphasis on how you feel and you shoulder it yeah and and you do work and you provide for your family and and you you know you do the things that need to be done for the day and get up and do it again and i think when anybody takes the time to sit in it and and to find that place of vulnerability and and go there it's definitely needed because i think it helps other people do the same thing and Mm. we yeah we were nervous it had a lot of had a lot of weight for us coming from Mm from the midwest and coming from a record like gray which you know i still love that record but ghost talker is different and it went there and it i think showed a lot of people that it was okay to open up and talk about you know harder things whether it was 
having anxiety or, you know, being depressed or, you know, there's, there's good things on there too, but we talked about the whole spectrum of human emotion. And I think that was a big step for us for where we were at the time. It's funny how like a, you know, a quote unquote sad song can almost not be sad in a way because someone that relates to it just feels relieved, you know, like you ever like Google something, like if you have a symptom and I know you Google stuff and the joke is always... WebMD, you know, man, it's always right. You're, you're dying. You're dead, yeah. right? Yeah, but, you know, just to be able to say, I, I feel this way, you know, or you've had a long week and then you go see a band on a Friday and just some of those lyrics or something, or even just the music, the way it feels, just allows like a release or a connection, mm-hmm. you know, that... You, I think when you say, is music music, like that right there has got to be it, right? Just re- relating, even if it's just like, if you listen to a funk band with no words, you know, how many times have the three of us gone to a venue and there's a band set up in a corner, no stage, and it's just these guys that are just like pouring their heart out, right. you know, f- four-piece funk band, just, you know, and I'm like, this is what I needed tonight because right. I just played a show. I just worked and I come listen to these guys and it's like, they just do it. They just do it because they love yep. it. There is no, <laughs> there's no other reason other than like, PBR they got to do it. on tap. PB, free PBR. <laughs> two, two a piece. That's a yeah. good, oh man, two I haven't had tickets. PBR for a long time. So two yeah. red tickets. That's cool. So maybe to, bring this all full circle here since we're getting a little beyond an hour, close to hour 15. Uh, do we think that the Spotify thing is a net positive impact on the music, music industry as a whole or net negative or net neutral? For me, I think it's about the artist. I think each artist determines the the gravity of of a entity like Spotify. If you're an artist like us, I think it's positive because, you know, I think it provides a lot of exposure. I think it helps us get heard in cities we've never been to. In cities that we've been to, you know, playlists can be created by venues or promoters that, you know, or or just fans in general that help. And I think it's good to look at it from that standpoint of bringing you the ability to help, you know, help you get in front of people that, that never would have before, but only if your eggs are in multiple baskets where you're diversifying your income and you're not relying just on that one thing. Right. Um, I think that for us, that's been a huge thing that we're learning and that we've been lucky enough to figure out early on, but it's, it's still a process and, Music industry changes on you know almost daily at this rate. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's I think it can be positive for sure. I think um, I agree with all that, and that we all kind of like this band called the Gorillas. Oh yeah, they did that song back in the early two thousands. Good, feels good. <laughs> yep, that thing, and um, you know they don't play live or. Maybe they do now. Probably have to fact check this next episode. I think they've, they've recently done like one live show. Okay, and I'm sure most of it is like programmed. 
I don't know. Check it out. But um, they release music just as a a product of Spotify or iTunes or you know they they don't rely on the live show. But um, I think that's something kind of special too. There's so many bands that you haven't heard of or artists or musicians that work from home that make music that connects with people or goes on a movie, you know, that's like the perfect backdrop for a TV show or something. Um, you know, I watched a show called uh, Longmire on great Netflix. Show. And yeah. It is great. And there was tons of great bands on there just constantly, you know, like two or three songs, an episode where you're just like, who is this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, I know some of them are, touring artists and things like that but some of them you know that's the only way you could get it was through that recording and you know i think there's there's nothing wrong with that and if i could go back and say to somebody who was starting out if there was a way that you could try to balance live performance and just hitting the road hard and um you know making your quality of your recordings really good which i know is hard to afford especially in the beginning but that would be kind of my my thing on it. Spotify as a whole, I think, is a good thing for artists. But it's like Nick said, if you can, you got to decide for yourself. You know, Taylor Swift didn't think it was a good idea for a little bit, you know. Right. And she probably surplused her income by doing that. And then, you know, the band down the street rehearsing in the garage, they got to do it. Right. Because right? it's like, this is how we get out. This is how we get on those playlists and stuff like that what do you think jake um i think that's what i was gonna ask i mean again kind of from the outside looking in mostly as a consumer but also with like half a foot on both sides i think it's a net positive um and just like listening to what you guys had been saying just just the fact that like you guys can not to say that this always happens right Every case is different, but the fact that you can roll into a town or people see your name on the marquee for a week um, and they're like, never seen that before. And it it's so easy for them to like obtain your music and get a feel for it and then decide, yeah, these are, they're pretty good. I'm going to go check them out, you know, or someone says, uh, one of my really, my favorite bands is coming to town. I want you to come with me. They've never heard it before. Okay, well, here's a link. It's free or you already pay $10 a month or you're on the family plan or whatever. And then they get inspired to go see you. Like, I think that is an invaluable um, benefit of just being able to share things like that. Whereas before, like even maybe not even just before, but like if you imagine a world without Spotify or without, you know, being able to put your music on easily accessible to the internet you roll into a town and you're the strange band in the town to everyone. Maybe some people have heard you. What are they going to do? Share their CD with their friend? Like it's so much more limiting, right? You have that puts the onus on those people to like burn 30 CD copies of your CD. And then they're, they're actually pirating your music at that point too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think like you said, Nick, I think it's important to be able to see, actually see the value in it as an artist, I think it's important to accept the fact that 
there needs to be other ways to make your money because it's not, I mean, unless you're selling or you're streaming millions or whatever of uh, streams, it's like not going to amount to much, but it no. can be a kind of a springboard to other things, which, you know, could be the live show or maybe they like your music and they find your website and you've got some killer merch. So they buy, you know, a hat or something. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of different avenues it can take them. But I think without it, mm. a lot of musicians wouldn't even be in the position to where they could complain about it, you know? No, exactly. For I sure. I completely agree with, with both y'all on that. Have we reached the end of our time together? I think so, man. It's been an hour 20 and a good man, we one. Don't, good one at that. We don't great. do this enough. I know. Now we should do it again next week. <laughs> All right. I'm, I think I'm free next next week. Yeah. I'm I'm busy. Dang it. All right, just me and Nick. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would actually really like to listen to that. But one of these times that might happen. So yeah. We'll if see. it does, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Just listen to two dummies talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. All right, everyone. Thanks for thanks for spending another hour plus of your time with us. Yes. Be sure to comment, rate, and subscribe. Uh, this podcast should be on Spotify, so that's the irony of the whole thing. But <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even realized that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, share it. Share it to one of your friends if you liked us. If you didn't, um, we won't see you next week. But yeah. hope to hope to talk at you, you all again next week. <laughs>